Welcome into Locked On Knicks, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, and in the crossover event to end all crossover events so much better than Infinity War, Endgame, anyone you can think of. It is the annual Bold Predictions podcast with the boys from Knicks Film School, Jonathan Macri, Jeremy Cohen. Man, oh man, it is a joy to have spent three hours with them. And of course, their fantastic producer, Andrew Claudio. Alex, one final part. What do we get into? Well, we're talking about Macri's big prediction about the Knicks maybe trading for somebody. And then I've got a prediction about Obi Toppin. And if he could maybe put up some next level good numbers that are maybe a bit too big for my britches. I don't know. I guess we'll see. And then, Gavin, you have a prediction that also is maybe a, bit, a little too big for pitches about the bench. You, you would have thought we would have a lesson from last year. <laughs> and how high they could get. Yeah. We learned no lessons this year. We're getting into it next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I wanted to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. And every day we're now available on all platforms. That includes on YouTube, where you can also find part two of this podcast series on our feed and part one on the next film school feed. How's that for cross-promotion? I am Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest darn Knicks website out there. I don't want to hold this up any further because this episode is a whole lot of fun. This whole series was a whole lot of fun. As good of a time as we have all year. Um, yeah, enjoy enjoy the start of the season tonight. But before you do, uh, enjoy the rest of these bold predictions right now on Locked on Knicks. Yeah, this is my last one. Um, man, I don't know if I want to say this out loud. Um, all right. Uh, I think the Knicks are going to make a trade this season. I think they're going to make an in-season trade. Um, bit, of, bit of preface before I say the type of trade I think they're going to make. Um, and I think I've said this on a recent podcast, and I definitely wrote about it in a recent newsletter. Um, Scott Perry has been the GM of this team now for uh, five, five seasons in all five seasons. They have made a trade, a, a trade uh, either immediately before the deadline or at some point, you know, between January and February that impacted the rotation. And that's the, I want to be specific. The, the trade that I think they will make will impact the rotation um, going back. See if I can remember all of them. Uh, you have the Cam Reddish, Kevin Knox one, Kevin uh, Cam, Net, Cam Reddish ostensibly traded to traded to go into the rotation, although it didn't quite work out that way, although it did for a bit. Season before that, Derek Rose. Season before that, Marcus Morris. Season before that, um, they traded half their team uh, to open up cap space. And the season before that was, I forget. Oh, uh, Emmanuel Moutier. How could I forget the great Emmanuel Moutier trade? Lest we forget. Um I think it's going to be six for six. Um, I think when you look at the league and when you look at the fact that there are currently um, 
well, I don't know. You could debate about are there five teams that are trying to lose games right or not caring about winning games right now? I think Detroit's I think Detroit would, would like if they found themselves in the playing race towards the end of the year, I think they would make a push like maybe they trade boogie, maybe not. You know, Orlando falls into that category. But I think by the trade deadline, here's my ultimate point. By the trade deadline, I do think you will have at a minimum seven teams and probably more like eight teams, maybe nine who are like where it's Victor. Let's let's make our push for Victor. And so you're going to have a lot of teams looking to get worse. Now, some teams, I don't think they have veteran players to really trade. Like if you look at Oklahoma City, like who who is Oklahoma City going to trade that like the Knicks would be interested in or or maybe even like a um I don't know, like Utah. Are the Knicks really going to do with Utah after everything happened this summer? Are, 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 we, are we forgetting about Mike the Moose Muscala here? What are we what are we talking about? As much as I respect the Moose, um, <laughs> Kenrich Williams and Mike Muscala talk about a dynamic duo. Um, but there will be teams that will that will be looking to offload veterans. And I think when you factor in the fact that the Knicks have all these protected first round picks, um, they do have young players um, and they have fungible salary in the form of Evan Fournier. And if you go up, Five million or down five million from Evans eighteen, you could fit a lot of different numbers in, you know, into that. Or maybe you use Cam as the base and you add Cam plus a young player, and like, where does that get you up to? I don't know. Um, I want to be really bold, so I'm going to name, I'm going to name five players. I think these it will be one of these five. Every, but just as a fair warning, every one of your listeners is going to fucking despise this list. Absolutely despise. I don't want to trade for these players. I just think. I want to put some names on it. So these are the five I'm putting. Um, Terry Rogier, Kelly Oubre Jr., um, Eric <laughs> Gordon. Hold on. Again, it's it's going to get even better. Um, DeMar DeRozan. Wait, I had one more. I had one more from some other shitty tanking team. I forget. I'll leave it at those four. Um, I like how you just called the Bulls a shitty tanking team, which I don't think is that chaotic. <laughs> oh, that's oh no! The last one might be my favorite, Kyle Kuzma. One of those five. One of those five players. Addison would hate Kuzma, but yeah. I actually find Rozier to be very inoffensive compared to the rest of those guys. Am I the only one? I don't Who, hate Kuz, Kuzma. I mean, good. I don't. I don't know what the Kuzma hate is. Let's yeah. let's walk it back a bit. Let's sure. go. Okay. Let's go please, one by please. one. So yeah. let's sure. start with Terry Rozier, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Who was the first name I thought of when I thought of making this prediction? Okay. First of all, in terms of, I see what you're saying with Scott Perry. I don't know if Scott Perry wields the amount of power that he did at the time for that trend to feel like it's continuing. I agree. So, but, but even still, I see where you're coming from. He's, he's still um, in the position he's in for a reason. So let's, let's roll with it. Um, I don't know what role Terry fits in that makes sense for the Knicks specifically, which is that he's much more of a two guard than he is a one. And we know the Knicks don't need a one anyway, so it's great. But it goes back to like what Tibbs likes, which is that three and D type player, which is not Fournier, but Fournier is better off ball than Rozier. Rozier is, in my opinion. My my hot take with the Hornets is honestly more that the Bulls, if they don't strip it down because of Lonzo's injury, actually decide to ramp up if they can. And the Hornets look at LaMelo. And they look at Leangelo in the G League and they look at the Wembanyama uh, situation and they try to trade for Lonzo 
because theoretically he's the perfect fit next to LaMelo. And how do you keep LaMelo happy? Keep all the ball brothers in the Charlotte area. And they're cool with him not playing a single minute because they're tanking for Victor. So it's fine. But then do the, do the bulls want Rozier because he doesn't theoretically fit with what they're doing. But that aside with just the Knicks, I think they're set. I don't think, I don't think he's the type of player they have in mind. If they wanted a two guard that is more of a scoring focus, then I could understand it. I just don't think that's what they're looking for, but I'll turn it to uh, Gavin or Alex. Yeah. I mean, he's Rozier's like a ridiculously talented shooter. And that, that, that kind of surprised me because he wasn't really that if memory serves with the Celtics, like I don't hate it as a talent play. I just don't really see the role there. If, if Grimes is is your future at, at the two spot. And I think next to Jalen Brunson, he has to be like Rozier and Brunson are just to me, totally unpalatable. That, that being said, where I, I, I think you're right. John is like, I don't think it's crazy that this front office would look at him and be like, that's the in-season upgrade we need because we we've seen just some of the other names that they've thought of and targeted in the past. And I think we, we can go through it, but I think Jeremy brought guys it up. Are- Karis LeVert, he brought yeah, it up. Yeah, exactly. That, that's exactly who I was thinking of. Like, uh. they're in line with the type of guys they clearly value and target. And, and for me, sitting um, in my in my house 20 blocks away from MSG, like, I don't I don't see that, but I, I think they could. Alex, what are, you, what, are, what are you thinking on this one? The name that really annoys me because it's my least favorite name on the list, but also the one that I think would be the most likely as far as a – you know, there's been one theme throughout these two pods so far, which is risk averseness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every time that this the the trade type stuff comes up with regard to the Knicks, we've been like, you know, ultimately that's kind of what it comes down to is they're risk averse. The guy who I think would command the lowest price tag that they could talk themselves into filling a need would be Ubre, I think, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. And I don't like Ubre. Like I, I just, uh, I don't Can I make the case for why they would make the case for Ubre. Yeah. They would say, I mean, they would want him to slot in behind RJ. He's an expiring contract. He doesn't make a lot of money. They could do cam and probably Mm -hmm. something. It would be like, it would be like a Knox deal again. You know, it would be like cam and crap for, you know, Ubre. And And if you're, and, and the thing I think for a lot of these players, DeRozan's in like a different category. I just threw him in for because you never know. Um, but like the other these other players, you look around the league and like, OK, these are decent players. Maybe there's a really good team out there who would want to get their hands on one or more of them. But then you're like, OK, well, are any of the really good teams, the ones that have first round picks left to trade, mind you, going to give up an additional first round pick of any kind? to trade for one of these guys. Well, I'm not so sure. Okay. So then you look around at the league and you're like, okay, how many teams have protected first round picks? Something that they know is probably going to not be pretty great that they'd be willing to throw on the table. There are fewer of those out there for teams that would make this specific type of move. And if again, fast forward into the trade deadline, I think it's reasonable that at least three or four of these guys could find themselves on the trade market. Okay. If the Knicks are like, we're the nine seed or we're the eighth seed. We think we have a shot at the seven or we think we have a shot at the six. Let's throw a first and, you know, the the, the salary. And I bet you it gets them it gets them a phone call at the very least. Yeah. And I will say, too, if if the Chicago scenario comes up and Chicago goes full nuclear and says, let's just blow this whole thing up. If DeRosa became available, 
I could absolutely see a world where the Knicks, if they saw an opportunity that presented itself where they could just give up like Fournier and like, I don't know, like Deuce or something and like all those protected picks that they got for the 11th pick or something like that. Or even a top 10 protected pick from this this season, like the 2023 draft. Their their own or the Mavs one, yeah. Mm. Like do that plus one of those other protected picks or something like – I could definitely see a world where they would do it and just be like, you know what? Here's a nice little consolation prize. Like the team's playing well, you know, the, the Knicks, I mean, are, are playing well. And let's just see, you know, if DeRozan can give to this team in the second half of the season or whatever, what he gave to the Bulls in the first half of last year. You know, it doesn't usually work that way, but <laughs> and it, you know. and if, if the DeRozan and Vooch for Westbrook trade that has been like off speculated about for, feel like months around the league um if that doesn't happen which like who knows maybe it, maybe that does wind up happening or, or maybe westbrook gets traded fucking tomorrow who knows um who else is like who else has the salary that they're gonna dump to trade for deros i'm just saying there's like none of these in like the the concept sounds crazy at first but like you could talk yourself into the all of these being a thing that at least gets discussed all right, guys, a little little bit of self-promotion here. We are coming back with my bold prediction on why the Knicks bench lineup will once again regain its place as one of the best lineups in the entire NBA. But first, if you want to bet on something a little bit more tangible, there's only one place to do it. It's betonline.net. They are your number one source for football betting info this season. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles on analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information. With live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there, it's the fastest and easiest way to check in all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, golf. It's also the fastest and easiest way to check in on NBA over-unders. And I have some fantastic news for our fans. BetOnline does not believe in the New York Knicks. They have them at 38 and a half wins for their over-under this season. Alex and I are in agreement that they're going to hit around 41 or 42. So you don't have to like that bet online doesn't love the Knicks, but you can love the money. It makes you going against them. Take the over and go get yourself some cash. Head to betonline.net today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online is where the game starts. That's all. Yeah. So when Wiggins was a possibility, I thought about like, oh, if you were to find a way to do like Fournier for Ubre and a minimum salary, that I get. Uh, it's more now I don't understand where Ubre comes into play because even if you, like let's say you trade uh, for Ubre, you know, like what does it really get you? It doesn't get Not you a much. whole lot. Um, and based on like what Cam and and all these, I think that it it behooves the Knicks to trade for future salary. And unless the Knicks want to extend Ubre, and let's face it, the Knicks had the opportunity to pay Ubre. He did not sign with Charlotte until a little bit later on in yeah. free agency. And they chose not to. And if they wanted to prioritize him, they could have. I think that they don't view him as a necessity. In fact, I think that they probably feel that unless they're getting off of Fournier's contract, and again, I'm not entirely sure why they're doing it if they don't care about cap space because they're kind of at neutral in that case. Um, especially depending on Rose. I, it's not something I foresee. Um, DeRozan, the reason I'd be surprised about is because he's, what, 34? I mean, um, whatever he is. He's, he's older. He's older probably than his age indicates right. in terms of like, like he's been around a long time. It would surprise me to see the Knicks go after him when 
they have Derrick Rose and then like no one over the age of 30. There's a clear prioritization for a younger generation of players. And again, that's why I mentioned Terrence Ross last year, which obviously did not come to fruition. So me mentioning OG and an OB means that that's probably not coming to fruition either, but at least that's the type of player that fits the style and the timeline of what they're hoping for. I, um, I just I, don't, I, yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. No, 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 I could fine. Throw Ross on the list. You want to replace DeRozan with Ross? That's fine. I think to be clear, I think DeRozan is by far the least likely of all of the ones that sure. I mentioned. But yeah, yeah, just, but it's it's then if you put Russ. That, that's what's so fascinating about this entire deadline is you don't necessarily need Russ because again, the whole point of Russ is to clear cap space. But if there's no one worth signing, then it's not worth doing unless the assets you're receiving are good enough. And I think that the Lakers could actually find a better package for Russ elsewhere than with what the Knicks can send. So I, I hear what you're saying. I just, I think there's gotta be a, a player on one of those teams that wants to tank for Victor that makes sense for the Knicks that is either under contract or that they're willing to extend moving forward, but it has to be fitting the role that is ideal for them. I just yeah. think in regards to just the DeRozan thing real quick, I think the only way that they would consider doing that is if they were like, if they looked at his production from like a very like money ball type perspective of like, okay, this dude was like almost a 30 point per game score last year, really revitalized his career. Honestly, like showed, I think everybody like that he had way more to his game than we thought at this stage of his career. Uh, and kind of, it was an old dog to learn new tricks basically. Uh, you know, I think if they look at that situation, they say we could do this for a super low cost. And like, who else would even be in the market, right? It would be like the Lakers, but it, the Lakers famously have like nothing. Their cupboard is mostly bare at this point. Uh, they have a giant expiring salary and two first round picks that are well in the future. Uh, so, which is appealing in its own right, but I don't know. I, I just I think that would be the only way that they would entertain something like that is even if a guy like a DeRozan doesn't fit the age timeline, if they looked at it and let's say that the Knicks are like six games over 500 or something, uh, you know, around that like late January time frame or whatever. And they look at it and say, like, well, look what happened a couple of years ago when we added a vet and added like an extra spark to a team that was already playing pretty decent we wound up getting the four seed. So maybe just if it's a low cost, you know, but that was such a perfect trade. That was sure. such a perfect trade. I don't, I don't think it's a Rosa trade would be perfect by any stretch. Like I, I think they would. Yeah. The, the, sp- the spacing in that starting five just be bizarre. Leave, leave a bit weird. to be desired. Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't have included the Rosa on the list. I should. Yeah. That's my bad. It's still uh, intriguing to think about though. Like if a player like that becomes available. Yeah. Uh, maybe this isn't in line with exactly what you were thinking, because I, I think this premise is almost contingent on Julius playing well and them being very much in the playoff mix. But if they're not thrilled with Julius for whatever reason, like a Julius for Kuzma swap, I think is is pretty interesting where Kuzma is just a different type of player in that he's uh, at, le- at least um, puts out more effort defensively um 34 three-point shooting on on pretty decent volume so not dramatically better than julius but i think he gets a little bit more respect and he just gives you more lineup flexibility where you could put him into bench units and play him with ob you could put him into the starting lineup and play him at power forward only has one more year on his contract after this one so that's kind of a nice bonus 
Um, if Julius's improvements this preseason aren't aren't sticking, uh, I think Kuzma could give you a more idealized version of what you want from that. Obviously, without the ceiling that Julius gives you, but that that was the name on this list that stuck out to me. Can I can I tell you? I don't know. Maybe this is a hot take. I think other than other than Brunson and RJ. I think the the Nick least likely to get traded this season in season in season is Julius Randle, because yeah. if they're like if they're playing like if they're playing poorly, then he's probably playing poorly, and then it's probably not going to be very easy to dump him. If they're playing well, that means I he's probably playing decently, Better. and you know, and it's like I and like we already like who's. Who who wants to trade for him as it is? I, I just I'd be I'd be I'd be really surprised if they traded him in the season. I've had the same thought as you, John, where he's doing well. Things are good. His value's up, but why would they trade him? If he's not doing well, you want him off the team, but then his value is not good enough for trade. <laughs> and I think you also mentioned this earlier, which is very apt, which is that if the Knicks are looking to try to get some star, should that star become available in the offseason? And there's always a star who's available. But the question is whether it's the right one based on how they're operating. But that's kind of why you extend Julius in the yeah. first place yeah. to have him on a salary that you can use as trade filler. And the goal is to have it be good salary filler. So he's actually a quality player and you're not just paying for the price of matching salary. And by harnessing him in this role, you're able to better market him and show, yeah, yeah, what he was before. This past season, not who he was supposed to be. Then that was yep. partially on us for not getting the right players because he probably felt the need to overcompensate for our inability to bring in a point guard. And so we had to better support him. And we didn't do that. And now we have. And he's a better fit based on where he's at. And that's the part. I mean, I, I hate to say this, but you could also make a similar argument, not similar, but an argument in terms of RJ being a guy where it's, look, we just saw RJ Barrett being on the table for Donovan Mitchell. And the poison pill restriction that comes with his contract that he signed, it expires on July 1st. And if the Knicks are looking for a player who is vastly superior to RJ Barrett after July 1st, the money makes a lot more sense. So obviously a lot is up in the air, but um, at least with Randall, I agree. I I don't think there's a likelihood he's traded in season. It feels more like an uh, out of season deal. Yes, I completely agree. I'll, I'll keep it moving. Uh, my final bold prediction is all about uh, the bench unit and um, somewhat in contrast to one um, that John had the Knicks on the Knicks film school side of thing. Um, it is that the Knicks have a lineup uh, that ranks. I, I wrote out top eight here. I'll, I'll push it up to top six to make it a little bit more bold in net rating um, out of five band groups that play at least a hundred minutes over the course of the year. I initially had it at 200 minutes and then I did a little research and realized very few lineups play 200 minutes over the course of the season. So um, I'm, I'm describing the bench unit. Um, I think they have a chance to be absolutely dominant this year. I already mentioned on the Knicks film school side of things, but there is a, a pretty good precedent here where the lineup in 2021 of Rose IQ, uh, Alec Burks, uh, Obi Toppin and Taj Gibson finished fifth in the league um, in terms of lineups that played at least 250 possessions together. I can only find the metrics for some reason, clean the glasses in terms of possessions instead of minutes, but they finished with a 17.5 net rating. Um, and though the competition will be better this year, I see a more idealized version of that lineup where you have quickly and Obi uh, two years further along. And I think having rounded out 
um, some of the uh, parts of their game that were a little bit weak as rookies. I think IQ in particular is very well equipped to attack the rotations that Derrick Rose creates with, with, with the gravity he brings to the table on drives in a way that he just wasn't as a rookie in terms of his aggressiveness. Like we, we saw this in the Pistons game where he went right into the body of Jalen Duran and seeking out contact and generating fouls. He's 98th percentile in the league amongst guards and drawing fouls post all-star break um, this year. Obi Toppin will get to operate as a roller for the first time in his career with Isaiah, or at least consistently for the first time in his career with Isaiah Hartenstein spacing out to three. Um, and whether it's Quentin Grimes or Evan Fournier, depending on who's right between me and Alex on our prediction, I think either one will bring a lot. Um, uh, Grimes, I already, already went into why I think he's so great. I think Evan, if he's playing with the bench significant minutes, he is grossly overqualified for that role. And the interesting wrinkle here is if we get a little bit of what we saw in the preseason and we get larger minutes with RJ Barrett playing with that bench lineup enough that they hit that 150 minute mark. The danger there is maybe they'll go against more starting units, but I think that lineup could blow the doors off of people. There are a couple of important variables here. Hardenstein's shot has to be real. He has to um, continue the defense he played in LA and, and at least in the preseason, I'll, I'll leave it to you guys to expand on this, but I thought he looked a little bit shaky at points in the Knicks scheme and there's still Work to be done there, but the, the metrics on him with the Clippers, at least at the rim, were, were really spectacular a year ago. And then the single biggest thing is that Derrick Rose is healthy and pretty much the same guy he was two years ago, which, which is what makes this a bold prediction because that's by no means a sure thing. But Alex, I'll, I'll, I'll toss that to you first. What are your thoughts on that one? Wait, a real quick clarifying yeah, question. You said 100 or 150? 150. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I... um, I don't know. Yeah, I, it's definitely bold. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I count me among like I'm not, I'm not super sold on Hartenstein so far. Like I'm sold on the idea of Hartenstein, but I think it's going to take potentially like at least a quarter of the season for him to really like get his bearings and like play at the level that he needs to play at for that lineup to be like one of the top ones in the entire NBA. What was the what was the the like qualifier again. Yeah. So the... 150 minutes and top, top six in net rating. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be a huge part of that because obviously net rating goes both ways. I'm just so far. And this is my, I like, I feel like I've just beat this dead horse beyond all oblivion at this point. It's, it's ground beef horse at this point. Uh, but like glue. It, it's glue, <laughs> it's glue, but like his foul rate concerns the heck out of me. Like I just, I don't, think that he, he's going to be able to like contain himself enough to to really like make that sort of that sort of uh you know impact i guess and and be that player that can anchor a unit that would rank that highly that said like we also gushed about all of his advanced stats when they signed him and we're like oh my god this guy must be a god among men like you know he's he's ridiculous he's so good uh, but he's he's the big X factor to me. Obviously, you know we know what the Knicks have in in Obi. We know what they have in Grimes. We know what they have in Quickly. Quickly, I'll say the other caveat for him too is he needs to start strong and continue strong and not have a colossal cold spell at any point. Uh, but Rose too, yeah, definitely a a huge part of how far that lineup can go. So yeah, I, I don't know. I I, I think it's definitely bold. I, I don't I think the bench is going to have some regression and mostly it's going to have to do with the fact that like 
Hartenstein, if I'm not mistaken, the, the Clippers like switch everything, don't they? Isn't that generally their MO? Yes. Right. Yeah, and he he struggled but, at times doing that a little. Like he was so good at the rim, but where he was weak was was doing that. Right. But he's also definitely struggling with drop coverage so far, too, in this limited amount of time with the Knicks. Like he is not like he's being located to a spot that's like where you would put Mitchell Robinson, except for Mitch has that like supernatural ability to go from like six feet away from a guy to blocking his shot at the perimeter. And Hardenstein does not have that. Um, and so they're going to need to like kind of scheme for him in like a weird hybrid way. That's different than how it's been for Mitch or Noel, but also different than how it was for like Taj Gibson. And that that's just going to take time, you know, and, and I'm sure that he'll find his footing at some point, but I think that he's the biggest, he's the weak link in that chain to me, because we already know what all the rest of the guys can do. But, uh, Jeremy, I'll throw it to you. What are you, what are you thinking about all that? I think. Yeah, Gavin, the last point you made, I thought, is the key in terms of Rose, where he's really the linchpin. I know we talked about him earlier, but just he's got to be healthy. And I would like to bank on Rose's health, but the truth is he typically misses at least 20 games a year. And so that depends on the bench to pick up the slack while he's gone. And we've had four preseason games, so I really don't like taking stock in that. Uh, But there is clearly... And a slightly to begin with uphill battle for this team to rise to the occasion, especially if Rose isn't playing. And it's not that I don't think they can do it. It's just in terms of top eight, it's it feels bold to me. Yeah, it's me top just, six though, right? Yeah, top yeah. Six, I, I, I went I went bold. Maybe maybe I'm realizing I went too bold there. I, the only thing I'll throw in there is that it is just a specific lineup. So if Rose plays 50 games and they hit the minutes qualifiers, it would only be when Rose is on the court that you're counting that. For sure. Yeah. I, I think that I think good things will happen with Obi this year. Just needs the opportunity for him to showcase it. But even though a lot of this rotation has seen time together, Hartenstein not being able to do it, as mentioned, just mm. kind of in, incorporating himself into the lineup. I think it's going to need time. And I, I think also what made the lineup really good was Alec Burks, who is a good player. And he just has to, you know, he was a veteran who could be relied upon. He knew what his role was. And I don't know if we fully have that with this outside of Derek Rose, where like, yes, you could look at Hardenstein as a veteran, but he's only really had a few seasons under his belt. And to me, Alec Burks was like the consummate pro who you plug him in, you play him, he knows what to do. And, you know, like you hope in a few years that that is exactly what I mean, you obviously hope for greater than this for like Emmanuel quickly or Obi Toppin. But if they are in a similar position that Alec Burks found himself in, in a few years, you would hope that they stabilize the roster that way. And it's not that they're not there yet. I think they are talent wise. It's just maturity and, and being able to thrive on their own. They might need a little bit more seasoning than just right now. So um, it's a little bold for my take, but I like the energy. Um, Yeah. So real quick, I just did a, a quick search. The, uh, Last year, the sixth best five-man unit to play uh, at least 150 minutes came from Dallas uh, with a they had a 14.1 net rating. Now the Knicks, I forget if you mentioned this or or not, only had two lineups that played only 150 minutes, and it was the two different versions of the starting lineups. Every of the starting lineup, everything else was 89 minutes or fewer. Now, granted, their third most 
used lineup was Rose, Gibson, Burks, Toppin, Quickly. That was a 28 net rating, albeit over the course of just 10 games. Um, man, Oof. it's this is bold. This is very bold. I don't know if I could get. Yeah, I, I might have gone too far on the number in terms of top. But yeah, go ahead. I mean, no, but like it's not. Like their their bench in, in total was like, I I think if if the be, if if you account for a most most of a full season from Rose, let's say sixty five games from Rose or even sixty games from Rose, then like the rest of the bench takes like quickly takes a little step up, top and takes a step up. Hardenstein, I, I actually think Hardenstein is going to be fine um, after maybe a slight adjustment period. Like a plus ten number is not nuts. Uh, but are they going to play? Are they going to play 150 minutes together? That's another one. It's like, it's, you know, you get a lot of mixing and matching and you don't know. I like it though. I like it though. Yeah. It's definitely, it's contingent on the changes. Tibbs has shown this preseason in terms of more of a willingness to vary bench lineups and not do straight line changes. That has to go away. He has to go back, but you know what? The guy's a creature of habits. I'm not, I'm not ruling it out. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've made it to the, the final one. I get to close this out this year. Do it. Last bold prediction. Mine reads, I, I said something on your pod about uh, something reading. Uh, oh, about odds on uh, on Brunson to win most improved. And I was like, I don't know if I can say this on your pod. I'll say here. This reads like a bet online prop bet that you could place uh, the official betting sponsor of Locked on Knicks. Uh, <laughs> but my prediction, and this is sort of similar to yours last year, John. So maybe I'm. Maybe I'm trying to to grab a little bit of that the the lightning in a bottle that you and Jeremy had last year, but uh, I think Obi will average over 25 points per 36. But frustratingly, very frustratingly, average less than 20 minutes per game. How are huh. you feeling about that? I I don't think under 20 minutes a game is crazy. For me, if I was to put the betting line, if I was if I was a Vegas line maker and I was to put the bet, like what would I make the betting line for Obi Toppin minutes this season? You know, which you have to account for all possibilities. An injury to Randall, you know, Randall gets traded, whatever. Um, I would probably set it at 19.5. 25 per 36. That is 25 points per 36. How many, how many? Guys, do you think averaged 25 points for 36 minutes in the league last season? I could probably find it pretty quick if you just keep I stalling. got it up. I got it up oh, right you now. You pulled it up already? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, prepared. Yeah. The how, thing is, how like, many I, do I think? Uh, I can't, I can't filter out because uh, NBA stats for some reason has like changed their site. I can't filter out the guys who have played just like no games, but just from a quick glance, I could give you the number. You want to give me a guess? Let's just say guys who played at least double digit games. How many? I'll say 40. Who, who, hold on. One at a time. Gavin, what'd you say? I said 40. Okay. Alex, what do you think? I'll go lower. I'll say like, uh, no, you know what? Maybe it is more like 40. Uh, I'll say 42. I'll, just, <laughs> just to be a jerk. Uh, it is. I'm going to say 25, by the way. Uh, you're all high. It's 22. Wow. Um, and That's that includes. Uh, and that includes 
That includes guys like Marcus Howard. Uh, that includes. Howard. Wasn't he a Nick? It's... No, he wasn't. I'm thinking Miles Powell. Never mind. Th- that includes Boban. Um, yeah. So really, if we take those two guys out of it, we just go with the guys who are the guys that you would really expect to be on such a list. It's it's 20 names. Um, the last one of which is is one Christoph Porzingis, by the way. Um, so yeah, it's hard. It's hard to average 25 for 36. I I don't know if I get to 25. Uh, that's a lot. Jeremy. It's tough for sure. I think what might be I think that this is kind of what Prez has been on in terms of the per 100 possessions where Obi was at 26.4 points per 100 possessions possessions. He thinks that Obi can get to above 30 and there's not a lot of people on that list. It's a much more condensed list. It just comes down to the threes. I buy what Prez is saying with that. And I don't think you're too far off, but I think the minutes restriction is kind of how the per 36 is going to be impacted. Um, I don't think it's, I I think half of it's bold. I think the minutes part isn't that bold. I think being able to create that much offensive power within those minutes makes it bolder, but I don't, I don't think you're crazy. I just, I think it's bold. That's where you want to be. That's the line. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, I really, the reason I think it's tough is because unlike a guy like, um, you know, like a Jordan Clarkson or like Lou Williams back in the day or Jamal Crawford before Lou Williams, like those like guys like that. Um, or even in a weird, different kind of way, Montrose Harrell, like those guys, you couldn't stop them from shooting like guard. The guards obviously generated their own offense. And Trez was just like such an energy guy that he would like get a lot of opportunity, get whether it's offensive rebounds or whatever, like you would get a lot of opportunities Like you couldn't really contain those guys. Obi, if teams game plan to prevent his, you know, leak outs in transition and his lob dunks, like he's not, he's probably not going to score unless it's on, on, um, you know, catch and shoot threes for that reason. I think it, it, it makes it tough. Yeah. I think, I think the three point rate has to go up for this to happen. And, and I think his efficiency should certainly go up from three. And we, we literally saw the Knicks design an out of bounds play for him to get a three. And yeah, I mean, he had that one game against the Pacers where he looked spectacular shooting. The footwork was great. He hit one from three, four feet behind the line. And then there were still moments where he was like risking like Clyde's like health with, with some of his shots. Um, so there, there's a, still a lot of variance there. And I can't say I'm, I'm fully confident in the shot being super consistent. I, I do think the point in your favor of him being closer to Dayton, Obi Toppin is, is kind of what I was saying. If, if Hartenstein is enough of a threat that he just gets respect spacing out to the wing, you get to use Obi in, in pick and rolls with Derek Rose with, with the spread floor. And I think that could be deadly. And I think he could really pile up points doing that. Ultimately where I go against it happening is that I just think you have four quality scoring threats with the bench, which a lot of teams don't have in the league. And I just, I don't think he gets enough total shots. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's all fair. And I think that's a good enough note to end this, this marathon on. We, we took our, uh, we decided to get on the night before the season starting and do like the ultimate marathon uh, of going through these bowl predictions, but it is truly a yearly tradition like no other. And one that we love doing. Uh, do you guys want to remind everybody in case somehow they're listening to locked on Nixon, don't listen to Nick's film school and all that good stuff, where to find you guys on Twitter and, 
the newsletter and the podcast and all that good stuff real quick? Uh, you could find Nick's Film School content at anything with the Nick's Film School <laughs> name. You are the worst at promoting yourself still to this day. <laughs> uh, yeah, Nick's Film School podcast, Nick's Film School YouTube channel, Nick's Film School <laughs> newsletter. Uh, Wait, what's what's my... that? What's the handle on, on Twitter these days? That's important. What is it? I don't know. Nick's Film School with a K. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why. That's why. I, was I thought it was like Nick. Oh, Nick, yeah. Dangerous Nick, type of singular. Nick, Nick Film, Film School with S K O O L. There we go. Okay. That's what I was Too cool Nick. for school over here. Um, yeah. Do you remember your own Twitter handle today? You always forget that, too. Yeah. It's J. I know that. It's JC Macri NBA. Good. I think. I'm glad yeah. I finally got you to remember that one. <laughs> oh, wait. Andrew's oh. reminding me. It's a big deal. We got, we're on TikTok now. Hmm. Are you doing TikTok dances? Yeah, big, yeah. What's, big part of strategy I, this year? I, I did. I filmed the thing for TikTok, which I'm not sure if it's on TikTok because I still don't have the app. But when I get the app, you could bet I'm going to go visit Nick's Film School's TikTok page. Do we have the other pages on TikTok? Their accounts. <laughs> accounts? Yeah. Whatever. It's a great uh, <laughs> Have you seen that video of Steve Nash and his daughter doing the dance routine? Yeah, I've seen that. Lights? Yeah. So John and his daughter are going to do that. Awesome. My daughter could. <laughs> we're could gonna, we're gonna have to do like an oral history on that on on our pod when you guys get that done. Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be next year. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll play it. We'll play it, and we'll be like, I don't care how many predictions you got right. I have a video of you yeah. on TikTok, <laughs> and I didn't do this. <laughs> yeah. So follow us on TikTok. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> For all the best content. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. If you made through this this marathon pod, hopefully this is enough to take you all the way up to the Knicks starting their game and make a a long day seem shorter. So thank you all for listening. There will be much great content on both of our feeds throughout this season uh, with many, many pods for you all to listen to, as well as all of our good friends out there in the Knicks content verse. We're excited to get the season going. Thank you all for joining us in this season opening edition and we will talk to y'all soon. Peace out.